Hello, and welcome to Once More with Commentary. We are a Buffy and Angel podcast, and I'm Allie. And I'm Ginny. I legit almost said the name of my other podcast. (laughs) Uh, We're not great at that. No. (laughs) Uh, But yeah. Uh, So, how are you? (laughs) I'm good. Um, I... Well, it's like we're recording this on a Saturday and it's Oh yeah. Somewhat... It's really early for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's um it's only bad because I I'm getting to the point where I have to recognize that like I'm more caffeine sensitive now than I used to be mm. and that I like as much as I might want to, I should not drink things with caffeine after like 5 p.m. Yeah. Um so I spent most of last night not sleeping. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Well, I was sorry. like we could have recorded this at 7 a.m. your time had you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> I would have had something to do. Um but otherwise no, I'm good. Um we took a little break, so mm-hmm. now I'm coming back to Buffy and Angel like some fresh eyes. And, in one one show's case, ready for things to just please get good. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I wonder which show. <laughs> I don't know. Um, how are you? Good. Um, you, my parents are visiting me this week, weekend, week, for a while. Um, and so I've been hanging out with them. We've been running around the city and eating food. And tonight we're going to, well, this afternoon we're going to a Broadway matinee. We're going to go see the Phantom of the Opera. And we're going to eat some fancy food. So, Have you seen I'm, that one? No. Okay. I don't so even really know the music. I know people think it's cheesy because now it's suddenly not cool to like Andrew Lloyd Webber. But uh-huh. I love that one. <laughs> I am going <laughs> to... I went on a mini. I went on a mini rant about Andrew Lloyd Webber last night when we were like looking up his stuff. So, I, I, but I have never seen anything. I haven't seen very many musicals at all. I'm like, my family wasn't into it. So, like, even just like talking to Alex is like he knows all of the musicals and he keeps having to like explain everything to me. So, I'm I'm excited to see it. Whether I end up, you know, if it's my favorite or not, I'm need to get more of this, like, you know, I need to get the basics down. (laughs) It's like, it's really hard to make arguments if you don't know what you're talking about. So it's been running forever. So like, it is a little cheesy, you know, it's definitely a, I think a product of its time, but like, it's a visual spectacle as well. So Mm -hmm. I think you'll be, you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Um, so does that mean you're also going to expand your knowledge and watch Jesus Christ Superstar on Sunday? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that would be appropriate. Yeah. But no, 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 you no, no. You could do no, an no. Andrew Lloyd Webber doubleheader. <laughs> uh, the Easter tradition that I established last year is that we watch aliens on Easter. Oh, God. Die, die eggs. So that's what we're doing. I already warned my parents that that's what they have to do and they were fine with it. <laughs> well, I want everybody to know that Ginny's mother has been trolling me with... <laughs> texts of the food that she's been eating in New York City. This is a whole new level of like it's pretty fun integration into the Dominguez family. <laughs> yeah. Well, they um, also watched these episodes uh, with me. Oh, fun. Which was a little interesting. I didn't get too much good commentary out of them, but I have a couple of notes, so. It might be hard because, like, I feel like, it's, especially with your dad, there's probably like, a more like, what's going on? Why is she doing that? What's he well, doing? What's his his deal? <laughs> yeah. I mean, in those, these are particularly, like, middle of season. Ep- you know, it's not, like, a great place to jump into a show. Anyway. Like, I episode 13 agree. of a 22-episode yeah. arc is, like, there's just, 
everything is coming to a head, but you don't know what anything is. So it is a little bit, well, like, it was a weird place. Let's say well, everything is coming to a head on one show. Sure. Right, right, right. And then, and then the other show is just weird and awkward. And I was like, sorry, I made you watch this. <laughs> Not quite that, but. Well, there were many fashion choices you could discuss, so. That's true. Um, well, let's get into it. I, yeah. I really want to talk about the Iron Team. Yeah, let's let's get into that because I'm in danger of like spilling my real feelings about exactly. she. So let's yeah. wait for the discussion. <laughs> okay, so the Ion team is Buffy's like full intro and induction into the initiative. Mm-hmm. Well, we open up like she's not hanging out with her friends, right? Like they're playing mm-hmm. poker or teaching Anya to play poker on their own because Buffy's off with the initiative guys. So Buffy's excited, you know, um, I think mostly it comes across as like she's really excited about this because of it's like Riley's thing, but Mm -hmm. um, she's also, you know, excited to, I think, be recognized as the Slayer and and join in. So she's going kind of full on into this organization, um, despite Willow's kind of warnings of like, you still don't really know what they're about. Mm-hmm. But Buffy's, you know, kind of like, oh, oh, it's it's fine. So she has her uh, intro tour to the initiative. You know, she's like overwhelmed with how big it is. You know, she's kind of finding out that it, it is at heart mostly a military organization. So Buffy is not meshing very well with that, right? <laughs> like she gets her first briefing and she's asking all these questions. And you can tell like that's just not a thing that people do. Um but ultimately, she's still successful, right? Like, she's helping mm-hmm. them take down the demons. She views it as, I'm going to just be doing what I always do, but with a bunch of military backup at my disposal. Mm-hmm. So she's thinking best of both worlds. But as we see, there's a little bit more going on with the initiative, mm-hmm. as we've been hinted at this whole time. So it becomes clear through this episode that they're sending them out on missions to bag demons alive and undamaged because they're building like a Frankenstein demon thing. Mm -hmm. And um, it's like the doctor of the initiative and Professor Walsh are heading this program, and that is 314 Mm -hmm. that Ethan had previously warned Giles about. Buffy and Riley's relationship escalates to the point in this episode where, you know, now they're sleeping together, but Mm -hmm. creepily Professor Walsh is watching this happen because Uh, we also... I forgot about that. Yeah, we also see more of her um, obsession, I guess, with Riley where she's... We don't really know why, but she's monitoring monitoring him very closely to the mm-hmm. point where she's put cameras in his room. Right. Um, so Buffy and Riley are getting closer, which becomes a problem when Professor Walsh decides that Buffy is a threat that needs to mm-hmm. be removed, um, mostly because she's asking too many questions. She's asking, what's 314? She's asking, you know... Um, why are we doing with the demons? What do the demons want? These are things that like soldiers wouldn't do. So mm-hmm. Professor Welsh sets up this elaborate trap for Buffy where she traps her in the sewers with two of their demons, um, thinking that will be enough to take Buffy out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, mean, I don't know if I'd say elaborate. <laughs> well, elaborate in that she lures her down there and they've rigged up some sort sure. of like, you know, door that drops. Right? <laughs> you're right. You're right. More elaborate probably than, I mean, it gives the game away, but um, <laughs> Buffy takes care of the demons and um, but she's wearing this like new equipment heart monitor thing. So like the monitor falls off during the fight. And mm-hmm. so Riley comes back from a mission and Professor Walsh tells him that Buffy's dead, but Buffy's not dead. And she speaks directly into the camera, like your trap didn't work. This, mm-hmm. is, this is a slayer. Like you can't take me down that easily. And so Riley realizes what happened and he walks away and, mm-hmm. um, Professor Walsh realizes like she's more at risk now of losing her prize soldier. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the episode, she's, 
you know, monologuing about her plan or whatever. And Mm -hmm. she goes into 314 and she gets stabbed by this creature that she and the doctor created who Mm -hmm. they are calling Adam. Um, And so... Clever. Yeah. And so so Professor Walsh is introduced essentially in this episode as a threat and also dead at the end of it. Yeah. And um, in the meantime, there's also a subplot where um, Mm -hmm. when they're out on a mission, Spike gets tagged by the um, commandos because they recognize him as Hostel 17. Um, But they tag him with a tracker, and so Giles and Willow and Anya have to figure out how to get this tracker out of Spike and then um, flush it. And there's a whole comedy bit where they deionize the tracker and everybody (laughs) looks like trolls, and um, basically they're foiling the initiative as well. So that's the Ion team. Yeah. Well, and there's also the little subplot about Willow and Tara's relationship progressing and Uh, also about Willow being kind of, you know, noticing that Buffy's... Right. Buffy's doing that kind of typical thing where you fall into a relationship a little too hard and you're like a little too excited about everything and you kind of forget about the rest of your life. But yes. And so, you know, that is is a bigger thing. You know, we see and it's I mean, come on, this is what, 2000 on the WB. It's Mm -hmm. couched as we're practicing magic together. But there's obviously, you know, more romantic tension here. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, yeah. Tara's relationship continues as well. I I. I mean, I have obviously critiques about this episode, but I, on the whole, I really liked it. <laughs> I do too. I think I, it's like, a great one. And there's just so many little subtle things going on in the background. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to start, we can have this conversation after we talk about she, but like there were so many moments in this episode that I thought were really cool, like subtle feminist nods, not even nods, but like the way, like, the feminism of Buffy is so much more inherent to its structure and its characters that, like, it, it was just really interesting to me to be like, oh, in all these subtle ways, I and Team is such a better, more, makes better points about feminism than she does, which is a, an episode that is, like, hitting you over the head with this, like, metaphor about it. And I guess I just thought that was a really interesting thing. So, like, when, in the very beginning of this episode, Buffy is, like, doing team training exercise, not even training exercise, right? But they're, like, measuring her, the initiative is. So she's, like, getting put in this, this scenario where she has to fight off, like, 20 initiative members or however many it is. And they're, meanwhile, they're all monitoring her to kind of see how she does. And um, when it gets to the end, you know, she's, like, taking them out in, like, 30 seconds or something. And Professor Walsh is there giving her, like, a really nice compliment. Like, oh, wow, this was really, like, you really did that. And Buffy, like, downplays it to her. And I had this moment, I was, like, right, taking my notes, and I was like, ugh, Buffy, don't do that. Like, it's fine. You can, like, own this. And then when Professor Walsh walks away, and she's like, oh, I was just kidding. I was just being modest. I obviously, like, totally kicked ass. And I was like, oh, I guess, I guess I'm not making a very coherent point here. I just, even, you know, I was, I was just worried that she was kind of falling into this, like, thing where you don't feel like you can talk nicely about yourself. And, like, it, I guess she is still kind of doing that, but I also just liked how aware of it she was. She was like, I'm just pretending to be modest. I'm totally badass. <laughs> well, and I think she did it, too, because I think it's couched more as, like, she's unsure of, like, how to act what around to Professor say. Walsh, yeah, right? Like, yeah. that she doesn't know. Because then we do see, like, immediately after this, right. Professor Walsh is, like, giving her a death glare, basically. Totally. Um, and, so she's and kind of right, right, right to hesitate. But I, what, I think you're totally right. Like, I think... There's so much subtlety going on, but if you really know what you're looking for, you can see it because like that whole scene where Buffy's in the briefing with the asking questions, exactly. And she's asking questions and like that comes from the fact that she's not, um, she's not a trained military person, right? Like she's not going to just stand there and take orders. And also Mm -hmm. because like the initiative's approach, as we've talked before, Mm -hmm. is so different from the Scoobies, Mm -hmm. right? Like they're, Buffy's like, what does it want? Like treasure, like Mm -hmm. to end the world, like, you know, rituals. 
And the doctor's kind of like almost unconvincingly like... He doesn't even think they're sentient, which is like the crazy thing to say though, because they're clearly sentient. Like they have a awareness, even if he doesn't think they're like higher level beings or whatever. Like that's... But my favorite thing about that whole scene is when Buffy outright is explaining that she's not going to put the camo on because Professor Welsh is like, perhaps you should suit up for this. And Buffy's like, well, I thought about it because, you know, it's just going to look all Private Benjamin on me, which is a (laughs) joke in the moment. But the bigger picture thing is she's deciding that, like, she could easily be like, I'm going to just, you know, try to blend in and and, Mm -hmm. be cool like them. And I'm going to put the camo on and, like, you know, soldier up or whatever. But she's, like, totally fine keeping her super feminine halter top on mm-hmm. and like and she as she says she's like I've patrolled in this many times and like that's <laughs> patrolled the thing in this halter like, many times <laughs> yeah where like Buffy is not going to like not be a fun young girl because she has to be the slayer and I love yeah. that like kind of subtle like I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do it my way and my way is like pretty girly and that's okay yeah. because I'm better than all of you yeah like, well and that's an interesting thing too now that you're saying it is that Buffy knows that her way works because she's done this for so much longer than the initiative has, which continues to, again, kind of be this thread in this episode of like their arrogance about thinking that they know everything from having clearly existed for like six months and doing some studies is like, I get it, but like Buffy's part of an organization that's been doing this for thousands of years. So like maybe she knows what she's doing. And also she's successfully averted the apocalypse, you know, at least four times at this point. So it's like, I don't know. There is just something, yeah, that like Buffy's, it's not just that she's like committed to being a young girl either. It's that she knows what she's doing and she wants to be comfortable the way she's been doing it this whole time, you know? Yeah. No, it's, it's just this great kind of window into like, but yeah, yeah. she doesn't have to like do the like authoritative way or whatever. And again, to just like this notion of the initiatives that by trying to understand the demons are going to somehow ruin their scientific study is like just so... I, I feel like that is a, a mindset that still exists in the world. And it's one that I sometimes do get frustrated with, even if like there is a time and a place for doing your best to be objective. But I think everyone also needs to own up to the fact that no individual can be objective because we're all influenced by our lives and society around us. So it's like, I just get frustrated with that anyway. So I kind of really like that they get it handed to them a little bit in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this whole idea of like, oh, they're non-sentient and they, they prove to be very sentient. Um, I also, if we're talking about um, feminist metaphors here, Forrest's mm-hmm. little rant about Riley picking a girl to yeah. like, be his second. And, and Forrest is like Forrest. complaining about this, which is nuts because he's given his own team to run and like mm-hmm. it's essentially a promotion, but he's grumbling because he's not Riley's second in command. And as... Um, the other guy was telling him, like, yeah, he's just mad because Riley picked a girl. And, like, Forrest is like, well, it's his girl. Like, you know, it's like mm-hmm. they're basically saying, one, that Buffy slept her way into that position. And, two, it's that true. she's a, just a girl, so she shouldn't be in a position of power, which is – I was so mad because I was like, Buffy is so much more qualified than you. <laughs> she should be running this mission, so just shut up. Like, yeah. And I thought that was also, like, maybe less subtle, but, like, another yeah, but of a very of, like – She's just a girl. real world example of the sort of things that might get said. Although I had a hard time not feeling like Forrest also seemed pretty jealous in that moment. I was like, I don't want to read too much into this, but like become like like the misogynist mouthpiece. I know, and I wish they didn't do that to him though, because he would be a way better villain if that weren't his thing. But not that he's a villain per se. But you know what I mean. He'd be Mm -hmm. a better antagonist if he were a little more nuanced. Yeah. Ugh. I do think they um, kind of waste his character a little bit, but I agree with that. Anyway, 
Um, I but do I want to talk and about that scene where Buffy's um, training to fight off the initiative. Mm-hmm. And Professor Walsh tells her that it took them 42 minutes to track Buffy, which mm-hmm. I'm extremely impressed by given what we've seen of Buffy's stealth powers. <laughs> so true, yeah. It's <laughs> like never her strong suit. So maybe they're I just really just bad show at you this. how bad they are, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but I guess I, I question why they really... I guess... Sorry, let me back up a little bit. I think the thing that didn't work for me about this episode, and I feel like we've kind of had this complaint about the last couple of episodes, um, is that it just felt so rushed. I don't know why they didn't feel like they had the time to do one episode where Buffy is initiated, mm-hmm. <laughs> pardon the pun, and then another episode where Professor Walsh turns on her. Because I think that would have felt a little more natural. Like, it kind of works because Professor Walsh was their teacher. So like we do have this kind of relationship and understanding of who she is already, but it really just this episode, like I like the arc that it takes. It just feels a little bit too quick. Like everybody's just kind of like, no, no, I'm evil now. Or, oh, it's a, you know, like I just wish they had let it sit a little bit longer. But that said, um, yeah, like Willow's telling Buffy to be cautious about this, and she's sort of immediately proven right, you know. Right, and like, um, and, and like, and, but, and, but I, the same I, with pro- the same with I, Professor Walsh is that the doctor guy is like, "Why are you letting her in here? She's a huge risk." And it's like, "Why are you letting her in here? You barely know her." Like on both ends, they're being they're both throwing themselves into it too quickly. I mean, I think everyone's excited because they've discovered this thing that could That's help true. them, but on both sides, you know. Um, but I, I think the only reason for me, like, and I, I get that because I had the same thought, like, watching this. Like, I forgot this is really the only episode where, like, we start out thinking right. the initiative might still be okay, although we've yeah. seen more than Buffy about why it's right. probably not. But um, I think they've done a good enough job leading up to it of, like, mm-hmm. sprinkling hints that maybe they're not on the same page the whole totally. time. That it doesn't, like, come out of left field. But, I, and I don't think it comes out of left field. Yeah. I just think they could have gotten more out of it. Yeah. Letting it sit a little longer. Although, how many episodes do you really want to watch of, like, Buffy and training exercises and, like, you know, being yeah. the odd man out and all I mean, that. I guess that's probably why it ended up as one episode. I just still feel like there was some sort of missed opportunity here. It just always bothers me when there's an episode, especially with a character along, that on the, like, on the one hand, it works because Professor Walsh has been in the this show this whole time, but on the other hand, unlike with you know, the kind of one-off characters that come in and then are the villain and they're done by the end of the episode. It is a little bit weird to kind of give her this character-defining, you know, uh, reveal that she's in fact totally different, not totally different, but different from what we've kind of been led to believe. And then have that all happen in one episode just always feels a little bit like that character deserved a little more time to kind of make this transition. But, But you're right that I'm not sure how much more they could have gotten out of it. So... Oh, yeah, I guess, but what my complaint is boiling down to is I don't believe that, I, I kind of believe that Buffy is, uh, you know, uh, excited enough to just run face first into this and that she's kind of believes that she's strong enough to protect herself no matter what happens. But I don't believe that Professor Walsh, who runs this tight ship and is literally monitoring Riley 24-7, would just let somebody into the initiative with, like, no background checks, like... <laughs> I guess that's the part that does feel a little bit like it just doesn't make sense. I mean, I guess they're assuming like, you know, it's the probably a standard underestimate underestimation of Buffy because she's just True. Like, an, a 19 year old girl. What is what? But even after seeing what be? she's even after seeing what she's capable of, I would really expect them to do a, 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 
the suggestion of research into what a slayer is, you know, like, like I guess so they just really don't care about because, that. Like, but but yeah. maybe this goes along with like, they think I guess that they right. already know because they've run all their scientific tests on her. Mm-hmm. So therefore they must really understand the extent of her powers. Never mind well, that Buffy's probably been holding back against like humans. Like, you right. know, you're not really seeing the full thing. And so that's the good at the point. end. Like she doesn't just, grasp the full extent of yeah. what Buffy can do because she never really took the time to find out. Like it's all this high yes. level surface level, like, you know, demons bad, humans good, and, like, oh, you've got powers, but, like, and you could take out, like, you know, ten of my men or whatever, Mm -hmm. so this must be how strong you are, not that Buffy might be looking at them and saying, like, I mean, we see this when she's fighting Riley, like, and Riley's like, don't hold back, back, and Buffy's like, well, I held back a little bit, like, you know. Um, But you're so right that, first of all, that why would they believe that that's the extent of her power, or not even, it's not that I... I believe that these people in the show would do this, but like they're so foolish to think that watching her exercise against humans is the same as watching her exercise against demons when she doesn't have to hold back. So that's a really interesting observation. The other thought that I had is that I do maybe part of the reason that they let her in so quickly is that they, like you're saying they've done all their tests on her, but they probably want to do more tests on oh, her. Oh, I'm sure. So yeah. like probably down the line, they wanted to strap her into one of those tables and like cut her up. You know, she was a prize to add to Adam. Maybe they don't ever really say that, but I wonder if there was some way that they were going to try and incorporate that. I mean, I'm almost shocked that they didn't because they yeah. seem like the kind of organization that's just like cut now, ask questions later. I guess like, it's not obvious where to cut on her because <laughs> she is a human. Well, I think you know, maybe that's the thing that would stop them. But right. also, and we kind of see they they don't even think about that because like Professor Walsh's idea is just to kill Buffy. Although I could imagine what she might have done with the body had she actually mm-hmm. killed Buffy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they definitely would have done that. That's I hadn't really ever thought about that when I watched yeah. this before. But I mean, because otherwise we see Professor Walsh seems pretty on top of it, right? Like she's got, we see the first um, allusion to like maybe how these soldiers can fight demons, like Riley's taking his vitamins. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also I, my favorite thing is like, so, well, okay, it's my favorite thing that comes after my least favorite moment of the episode, which is when mm-hmm. Professor Walsh is watching Buffy and Riley have sex, which is Ugh. just like disgusting. That's so creepy. Um, <laughs> But I love then the uh, the continuation of that idea that she's spying on them because Buffy says, what's 314? And Riley's phone immediately rings. Oh, and it's like, yeah. I, I was yeah. like, oh, that's great. Because like yeah. she's, she's probably watching this and then she's like, abort, abort. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's yeah, a mission that's... in play, but like Riley didn't need to join that mission. Well, and you know. that's a good point too into some – that's a good explanation a little bit into why – I guess into kind of why Professor Walsh turns on Buffy so quickly. I forgot that she's spying on them all the time. So like her knowing, not just being worried about Buffy's influence on Riley in general, which is also something that is, you know, clearly she's worried about, but that she is worried because Buffy is specifically asking about a thing that she specifically is trying to keep a secret. That's a good point. Mm. Yeah. And it it looks like Riley has at least heard it mentioned or seen it, but he doesn't know what it is. Mm -hmm. Cause like he, he does know where to go look for it. right? Right. Yeah. Right. Speaking of Buffy and Riley, uh-huh. sex, I <laughs> am not so into the cross cutting between the fighting I'm and not the sex either. scenes, but I do love it for the callback to Faith asking Buffy, like, yeah, what do true. you want to do after you slay? And Faith saying, like, she's always, like, you know, yeah. like, really horny after slaying. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, obviously Buffy and Riley, like, worked themselves up by yeah. these demons. Yes. No, I know. I felt the same way. I was like, this is just so awkward. Like, can we just not do this but 
whatever. And I am still, I'm happy for Buffy that for the first time, the guy is still there in the morning. Yes, you know? I, I like, noted I that too. Yeah. Like she, of course she like is thinking that he's gone because yeah. like that's the history. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and fact, I'm happy for them. And as we've, I think, you know, it, it, season four, Riley, I don't know how I, you know, I know why I'm going to lose my way on Riley, but he's so great right now. And I just like that Buffy is getting a chance to still have a, kind of a normal relationship. They might not be normal people, but they are having a pretty typical relationship, which is not true of what she had with Angel. You know, that was more than was more than just the fact that he was a vampire and she was a slayer. Their relationship was also just like the dynamics were confusing and maybe bad. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, even though Buffy's being completely obnoxious about it with Will yeah. for her friends, I'm willing yeah. to forgive her a little bit because like she's obviously so happy with like yeah. this normal guy. Although Riley has only been like a himself week. to be like, I don't want to say simple, but like. He's uh, like she's asking him like, "Oh, you never question this or whatever." He's like, "Nope." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think they're just different. I think he's smart. Did he in that scene? I I kept rewinding and I couldn't tell. So in, when they go to the bronze and they all get beeped, mm-hmm. um, does Riley say "Mother wants us"? Oh, I didn't hear that. I thought that's what he said, and I was like, Wait. I was watching it with subtitles, but I don't remember seeing that. I then maybe he said something else, but I kept rewinding it and I really couldn't tell. But I was like, if he did say that, that's such a fun parallel to Adam at the end saying, hi, mommy. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) Um, And Adam, I think, does go on to call her mother. So, yeah. Yeah. But I I heard that. and I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Because, I mean, we'll see as we go into the rest of the season, like Adam kind of becomes this foil for Riley, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're sort of played off against, against each other, other yeah bit. yeah <laughs> because we were talking about this uh not not related to Buffy but we were, things that we were talking about this week uh in our regular lives I wonder Allie if you think the initiative are disruptors oh my god <laughs> kind of though, I right? think that they probably <laughs> they think, they think of themselves as disruptors like They're you know they've shown up on like a powerpoint somewhere yeah. although maybe 2000 if, is no, too early for that word but it would have it you know they threw the word synergy around um, <laughs> but yeah. they 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 essentially must think of themselves in that way because like they have to be aware they that like demons that, have existed for this exactly. long and they're they like no we have the, a better way to exactly. fight <laughs> the old way of dealing with demons like we're not your grandpa's demon fighting organization we are using technology to solve this problem that no one's yeah. able to solve before <laughs> but i think the difference between say the initiative and like you know current disruptors is yeah. like they're taking the opposite approach of like you know i think the defining characteristic of these new disruptors and i i hate this word i don't want to keep <laughs> saying it do, is why. that they're like we're going to use technology to solve this problem but also we're going to use technology to make it cheap to solve this problem right, right? and the initiative as we've seen is it's certainly not, not cheap i mean like, in the re- yeah and the real they've got like a twenty thousand dollar like microphone thing or whatever mm-hmm. i mean in yeah. the fact that their military kind of throws a wrench into how much of disruptors they can be but <laughs> i do think that they think of themselves that way a little bit or at least they would have if it were 2012 or 2015 if maggie walsh had not been stabbed by adam she, she would, would be have giving a ted on. talk uh-huh. on how to like disrupt <laughs> the <Yep>. psychological <laughs> field or something <laughs> exactly oh god i like want to vomit now <laughs> <laughs> So all that said, I mean, I really, the ending, I love the ending of this episode. Even though I knew that it was coming, I still feel like they, it's like a pretty shocking moment. And um, it's really nice. Uh, they sort of, it's like poetic justice, you know, that she gets uh, killed by the instrument that she made Buffy go fetch. 
Yeah. Like it's yeah. just a nice, I, I think it ties together nicely. It's like an excite. it's exciting. It's a big reveal. I mean, I don't care for Adam, but I, I just like, I think this episode had a good pace. It was like exciting, but, and there was like a lot of little things going on. So. Well, yeah. I mean, I want to mention this is cause you said earlier, this is the 13th episode of the show mm-hmm. and, or the season. And, um, we do get the introduction of the season's villain here. Right. Um, we don't know that yet, but that's, you know, because this whole time we're sort of being primed to think that the initiative is probably going to turn into the big bad in some mm-hmm. way, right? Like with all these little yeah, hints that we've I been getting, so. but yeah. it's not quite that simple. And maybe it would have been better had it stayed that way, but yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll talk about Adam some more because he'll continue to be here. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that... Um, you know, Adam rising up and stabbing her is both, you know, surprising, but I Mm -hmm. also think like, I love the way that it just sort of reinforces this idea that they just really don't understand what they're dealing with. Yeah. Um, like, you know, they have to go get that, that arm and like, that is the tool that kills Professor Walsh and that, you know, but on a deeper level too, it's just like Adam becomes the symbol of like everything they don't understand about demons. Like, um, because he's also built to be a like rule following soldier, right? Mm -hmm. Who just says, yes, mother, and I will do this. But like, Mm -hmm. Adam is a villain, not because he's like, he's kind of like Ultron, right? Like, it's not that Mm. he's evil inherently, it's that he's questioning humanity and not liking what he sees. Yeah, yeah. um, And, but that questioning is not something that he's been built to do, and like, it's kind of a parallel of like, they're assuming... The demons that the don't demons have no and motives about yeah. these things and don't have That's brains, a great point but they too. do. Mm-hmm. And it's just like they built a creature that like, you know, embodies all of the things they don't understand about this world that mm-hmm. they're, mm-hmm. they're building. That's a good That's point. That's my deep cut for that. I like it. I like um, it. For that episode. Because I also now want to talk about the odd couple dynamic between Giles and Spike. Okay. <laughs> because I love it. Even though at I the mean, beginning how Spike is so mean to Giles. But it was so funny. <laughs> but Giles gets his payback. He so. does. <laughs> I love uh, it. Yeah, because this, this is the episode where in the last one, you know, Spike agreed to help Giles in his fjarl, uh body because Giles said he would pay him. And so Giles has to go pay him now. But then by the end of the episode, or by the middle of the episode, really, Spike needs to get that tracker out and he ends up having to fork over the rest of the money he's got. <laughs> Right well, back he to was Giles. Like, he's so mean. Like, he was like, I don't need you guys. Why would mm-hmm. I go? And then he, like, immediately needs them. And yeah. it's, like, the best, like, you know, takedown of Spike. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to point out just the continuing breadcrumb of Willow trying to use magic to make her life better. So oh, she's yes. trying to cheat at cards with magic. No, she said she was just praying. Uh, she said that, but... <laughs> I believe her in this situation. <laughs> I I read it as, like, Willow still immediately jumping to, like, I'll just try magic. I mean, Interesting. maybe I'm just, like, looking for it now <laughs> where it doesn't exist. I'm going to cut her some slack, but that's okay. fair. Um, and I did like the... I do think the Willow and Tara scenes were very sweet, and I... You know, Tara is, like, trying to give her a priceless heirloom, and Willow rightfully is like, um, I can't take that, but we can use it. I think she was using it when she cast that spell on Spike. I think so, and she brought it back to the dorm room after mm-hmm. she hung out. So she did take it from yeah. Tara, but maybe just to borrow it. Borrowing it, yeah. But I appreciate their, I, I I appreciate their kind of courtship in the background. You know, again happening kind of slowly. I like they did with Riley. I think it's nice that they're not going to just be like, and then she's with Tara. Like they're building a case for them. <laughs> yeah, but I I like that it's sort of 
really under the radar. Like, mm-hmm. if you don't know that that's where it's headed, you could easily miss it. Mm-hmm. Um, which, again, was, I think, just because it was, like, the year 2000. At the time, and The yeah. show was on at 8 o'clock, and they were like, we can't piss off the advertisers yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, my one of my favorite things about this episode, and the next one, too, that kind of date them in a certain time mm-hmm. period, is the technology here. So, like, Buffy's been thinking about getting a pager, apparently. She had a pager before, though. I don't remember that. Well, she says beat me in season one. I guess she didn't necessarily have one, but I always kind of thought she did. Oh, yeah. Well, I she's... guess she, that was just a turn of phrase. So she's thinking about getting a pager. And, and then in the next episode, we'll see Angel has, has already graduated phone, to yeah. a cell phone. But he pulled out that car charger and I burst out laughing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it was the kind that like went into the cigarette lighter. Uh-huh. I know. That was great. <laughs> Oh, which uh, I didn't realize Angel's car could charge a cell phone, but I think, any, yeah, I think that checks out. I mean, that's the beauty of like the old technologies; it worked with everything, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, but that was my little chuckle in this episode. Like, uh, you want you you're so technology <laughs> sa- like technologically savvy, you got a pager. Yeah, God, yeah. were pagers really a thing in 2000? Though I feel like they were already on their way out. I feel like they were a thing on Gilmore Girls, and I never mm. knew anyone who had a pager, so I, like, didn't understand that. Yeah. But yeah. Um, also, the fashion in this episode, I'm totally into Buffy's, like, leather jacket patchwork skirt combo. Even <laughs> if the skirt looks like a quilt, it's yeah. fine. I think it's a cute outfit. Uh-huh. You know, Buffy's you continuing her trend of being a college girl in jeans. Yeah. So. I like her halter. Her slaying halter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously and that one's she's actually a halter top like, this time, so yeah. that's all I really needed. <laughs> yeah, and obviously, like, she's dressed for going out, which is why yeah. she's wearing that. Of course. Um, yeah, hmm. so I agree with you. I really like this episode, and I think it sort of, like, closes the chapter on, like, okay, now we've done all the setup. Yeah. And now we're going to, like, see what happens. And we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, anyway. All right, let's talk about... Okay. The less successful feminist metaphor. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, as with kind of all the Angel episodes, it's like, I know what happened, but I sort of don't. So let me attempt to summarize it. Um, I think I was telling you before we started recording this that I was literally 20 minutes into this episode and I was like, what is this about? Yeah. Well, which is exactly the problem with this episode. (laughs) What is it about? Um, But yeah, so as the one redeeming thread of these last three episodes of Angel is that the gang continues to solidify. And so in the beginning we see that they're all hanging out in the office and Wesley is like, well, Cordelia has a party and we see very amusing dancing from both him and Angel and generally amusing social interactions between the, or from the two of them with the party goers. Um, we can circle back to that. Um, but yeah, the next day at the office, Wesley is like snooping around for food. And so Angel is like, wise is up? And he's like, oh, Wesley has no sorts of income. So he offers him a job. So he's now officially part of the Angel Investigations team. No um, dental. No dental. <laughs> uh, but of course, Cordelia kicks that off by getting a vision of a guy who's been burned in some abandoned warehouse or something like that. Um, so Angel goes to investigate and he meets this demon man who tells him something to the effect of oh it's this other it's this jira i don't remember if that's exactly how it goes down but he puts him on the trail of this other demon saying that she's really powerful and she's ruthless and blah 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 she's the one burning everybody up um so you know there's people cross paths people chat with one another but we come to find out that jira is actually she's a woman demon from the same dimension as that guy and 
in their culture, though, basically the women are like subjugated. And once they reach a certain age of like sexual maturity, they get brutally just not dismembered exactly, but like unmade is what they call it. And they like take out this, their glowing spine thing, which is like the source of their sexuality and their like personality. And so that the men can kind of control them and also quote, like quote unquote, like not be distracted by their like sexual power of the women or something. There's some dicey metaphors going on here. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, but so she, she, Jira has been, she's like a princess in that realm. I don't really know what that has to do with anything, but she's been sneaking women out through portals into Angel's world to try and to help them escape, which is nice of her. Um, but, and then those guys are there tracking them down. So they're actually the villains of the, of the episode. Um, but yeah, so this kind of keeps going on and they, um, is like a big showdown at this spa where Jira's been hiding some of the women and Angel and Cordelia and Wesley show up. And, um, at some point Wesley and Cordelia get held hostage and Jira makes it clear that, um, she's fine with losing them because she really only cares about protecting her own, um, people. And eventually Angel kind of gets, helps her get the upper hand and they escape. She, she and the other women demon escape. Um, and then the next day she visits Angel in the office and they sort of have this like supposedly sexual tension filled conversation. Don't buy it at all. And she basically says like, well, I'm going to do anything I have to, to protect my people. And Angel says that he'll do the same thing that just because she's running away from problems in her dimension, that doesn't mean he's not going to protect the people and his friends and his dimension. And they leave it at that. The end. Oh God. There is so much to unpack here. Um, I mean, yeah. First, let's just right off the top, talk about this is obviously a metaphor for female circumcision, right? Right. Yes, it is. (laughs) And, oh, which, and I appreciate the effort. But yeah, but it's just clunky. The metaphor kind of falls apart. The episode is slow. Like, it takes so long for her to show up. And then it's like, what is even... I was so bored during this episode. I you was know, like, what is the point of this? <laughs> the other thing I want to mention, because you're right, it's slow. It's like, for the type of topic they're talking about... I mean, this is, I think, the prime example of Angel going like the angel of the show, going yeah. like two steps forward, one step back. Like yeah. this is a step back. It might even be a step and a half. Like it mm-hmm. it was just not, like it starts out so well. I love that scene at the beginning with Wesley getting a job and then yeah. it just, just immediately plummets downhill from there. But I think, so I was watching this episode and I was like, oh, I remember this time when like Biling was, was going everything. to be a thing, yes, right? Yes, I like, was thinking that so too. So she's the actress playing the demon. Mm-hmm. And so she was in this movie called Anna and the King, and which is like a retelling of The King and I. And she had this like breakout role as Tup Tim and like, you know. Um, I didn't realize that was her breakout role. I have to see her sure in all these sci-fi. What it was. And, like, so there was like this thing of like she was like, you know, this like she dressed kind of funky. Mm-hmm. Like this like she's going to be this like, you know, star. Mm-hmm. And so she's in that movie and then she shows up here. And then she's also notably in one of the worst episodes of lost. Oh. Um, and I don't want to blame her because, you know, no, honestly, I think- she's, she's impressing me in that, you know, she's, got pretty good English, like, it's Mm -hmm. accented, but it's not, you know, she's not, like, that's not her problem that she's being asked to act in, like, you know, a different language, Mm -hmm. but I think the main problem is she's just not a good actress, Mm. and she, even to the point where I'm noticing it on a show like Angel, where maybe everybody's not always, like, the best, Yeah. Um, but I think that, to me, was, like, extremely distracting of, like, 
Yeah. Oh, they're, and then the way they're dressing her in this, like... Well, and this that, is that they're... Also, a lot of the, like, if you had any interest in this episode at all, it would, I guess, be because you're interested in the tension between her and Angel, but, like, it doesn't work at, I don't think, at all. I didn't believe it for a second. Like, they're telling me that Angel is attracted to her, and I was like, I don't see it on his face. I don't see it in her movements. Like, her, they made her spine glow to, like, indicate that, but it's like, that's not the same thing as making it happen. Although, <laughs> shout out to the new Battlestar Galactica remake. That is a total precursor to that, right? Like, their spines oh. glow. Oh, Remember yeah. That? Yeah. I forgot about that. Oh. Um, but no, and but the I think the reason the sexual tension thing didn't work for me was because I wasn't clear if it was supposed to be real or if she was supposed to have this kind of like yeah. siren-like power. Well, and that's the thing that doesn't work about this metaphor, right? Is that like, okay, so uh, things like this do happen in the real world, but in the real world, we know that women don't actually have a, there's not a real power that women have sexually over men if they like in in this episode they literally say that like men can't control themselves and that was the part where i was like okay well now i hate your dumb metaphor because that's not the way it is you know that's what people say about women in our actual real world earth world exactly that's the excuse i don't have to try hard to build that i can just subjugate you but in this supernatural world why would you make that part of the powers because then it does kind of it obviously doesn't make what they're doing right but it makes it understandable why they would like if they actually can't control themselves around the women is like a different situation. Cause that's like, we're trying so hard. And in this, in our real world to tell people you can, you absolutely can fight these things. Stop being a baby about it. So it's just like, and that was the part where I was like, well, this, this fell apart <laughs> as a metaphor. I, I appreciate what they're trying to do. And I think that the story was like, the conceit of it was there, but as like as is kind of the thing with Angel is it's like they just are not executing these ideas well. Like they muddle the metaphor, they, the episode is too slow, and like some of the, and then the actors don't work. Like execute literally the execution. I was like, if you just wrote this out, it probably seemed like a good idea, and then you filmed it and it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, my biggest beef with this whole episode is that it's just boring. It was so boring. Except- like I honestly mm-hmm. just like. It has, I don't, I don't even know if yet, even this season, like, I'm not sure there's been one that like, I was like, oh my God, how much time do I have left on this episode? Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, but, but the worst part about that is like, then you make it through this horrible, boring episode and you're rewarded with a wonderful credits scene. That's true. And actually to go back, I think what we've been talking, you know, to be fair, not to be fair to the show, but they only got Wesley back a few episodes ago. And I think all of that team building and team relationships continues to be good. Like all the background stuff in this episode and the little jokes were wonderful. The dancing Mm -hmm. was hilarious. Wesley talking about his sweater, hilarious. Angel dancing, hilarious. Angel giving a little impromptu museum curator speech. Oh my God. Like wonderful. I loved it. And Angel could be making so much more money as a a museum (laughs) docent. (laughs) And like, and like, that's such a funny, clever thing. That, like, would totally be true about Angel. Like, of course he's the inspiration of some actor. You know, like, I love the thought of, like, tying him into real-world poetry and art because he was in Europe in these times as a vampire. Like, that's so funny and interesting. And, like, Cordelia's little joke about the coffee beans. I was like, what a fun little throwaway joke about Angel being able to grind the coffee beans by just squeezing them. (laughs) Well, like, all of them. Like, they are really finally starting, I think, to understand those three characters and what they want and what they need from each other. And so like anytime that they're focused on that, it's working. So what they need to do is stop with the, like, I don't know. I don't remember how this all, I don't remember when I start to like Angel, (laughs) 
but I hope that it is because they start making their motives a bigger part of the episode. You know, like the characters, even though you're bringing in these monsters of the week, it still needs to be a show about Angel or about Wesley or about Cordelia because when you make it about Bai Ling, like, I don't care. Also, she's not going to be in the show again, so like, I really don't care, you know? Yeah, I I agree with you. Like, I'm I'm really wondering, like, because I've apparently forgotten, but when, when do I come on board with this show, right? Like, I think it's it when... giving me these little moments where I can see it, but like... Mm-hmm. This is just, oh God. And you know what I think the main, I mean, this is what you're saying. Like the execution of this was just like, something about the script was just kind of incoherent where mm-hmm. I'm still not sure if it's like, the was the problem because the men can't control themselves or was the problem that also the women get so worked up by their urges that they like basically explode? Like, yeah. We didn't yeah. talk about the part where they had to put the women on ice because right, they were like they can't too control hot. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is another chunky metaphor in there of like, well, if they literally also can't control it and they're burning everybody, maybe you do need to do something about it. Like, so yeah, yeah. that's where I think the metaphor doesn't work because exactly. they've made it too plausible that these people think that this is enough of a threat that they have yeah. to like. It is I mean, a they, I do agree with it. Like, where it's like she's kind of making the case of like the women can learn to control it, they can do this, but it takes time, and right. like, the men don't really want it. But like, they never get enough into that where it's right, like they're like, kind of confused why this whole thing is happening. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, we did get the gift of Sean Gunn again. That's um, true. I was. I noticed that. <laughs> I didn't realize he had another part on Angel. You didn't realize that they were um, storing the uh, demons in Luke Steiner? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> well, because he played Doyle's cousin, mm-hmm. right? So I guess because um, he was in full face makeup, they didn't really yeah. think you'd notice. Yeah. Well, and to be fair, I would have never noticed if he weren't an actual person now. Yeah. Weren't a more famous actor now. Also, Angel is basically Batman now. Because he's got his grappling hooks. His grappling hooks, yeah. (laughs) I think he had those in the the first episode. Well, we haven't seen him use his utility belt in a while. Yeah, I I remember him doing something early on and being like, oh, they kind of dropped that, don't they? (laughs) Like he had those spike sleeves, his stake sleeves, I mean. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Yeah. But yeah. Again, like if we just zoom in on Angel and zoom in on Cordelia and zoom in on Wesley, like nothing could go wrong. And that dancing but, scene was just oh, it was amazing. I love it. And I think you're right. I think that's what we were talking about before, where, like, the successful episodes so far have been, like, character-driven mm-hmm. stories and not whatever this Monster of the Week crap is they keep throwing at us, which... Well, you know, I guess because it, all of their Monster of the Weeks, instead of being a metaphor for high school, they're trying to make them social commentary, and it's like, they're just not getting it right. Yeah. You know, the way that Buffy was kind of able to make the things double you know there there was double meaning in in Buffy but it was so specifically about high school that like it was fine and they didn't get off track as much not that they never got off track obviously but like it just tended to be a little bit tighter whereas it's like this where it's like well what are what story are you telling is this about LA is this about other parts of the world is this about a global problem or is this about you know it's like they just are trying to do way too much and then also and then Angel's there and it's like which is why I think it's no coincidence that the show gets better when it, like, localizes a little yeah, bit yeah. and becomes more about, like, the demon threat in L.A. And, yeah, like, and I was... Threats versus, like... Exactly. People jumping through portals and... Well, there is a lot more portals, though. Well, true. <laughs> there but, are But I, I do think you're right. Like, I think they just don't... Like, it's like they're trying to figure out, okay, well, what do we want to be here? Like, do we want to tell stories about the danger of the L.A. dating scene? We've had right. two episodes <laughs> yeah. about that. Or do we want to talk about, you know, um, persecution of women? We've yeah. got, you know, a couple of those as well. So it's like, 
Well, and I those just, range in such, like, the severity ranges, you know, too much, too, that it's just like, I don't, you know, yeah. I mean, I think if you want to, like, make your show a metaphor for things, like, you should be able to, to range in, you know, different levels of, like, I guess, I guess severity, severity is the right totally. word. But, like, totally, but I but think yeah. that if you're going to do that, especially something like this that is so specific. Mm-hmm. Get a better understanding of it. You can't, like, yeah, you can't, like, miss the execution because right. then it just makes you look kind of like like honestly I'm like watching this episode and thinking like who approved this script like yeah. who is like yeah this sounds interesting or are they just so exhausted of trying to come up with scripts that they're like well we've got something may mm-hmm. as well film it like mm-hmm. I mean they had to know this was like a throwaway episode yeah maybe they didn't maybe they were like yeah guys we're really I don't gonna think spread so. the word I think like, they thought they were like really nailing it yeah <sighs> say lovey yeah, I really have no more to say about Same. this. Other than, you know, fast forward to the credit sequence. I am going to probably watch that again. It'll definitely be on our social media. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, that is the winner. <laughs> so what have we got going on next next time? Next time we've got Goodbye, Iowa. Oh. So, yeah, Riley's sad Riley episode. Poor Riley. And um, I've got you under my skin. I think I thought she was the title of that next episode. No. No, I guess I'm just saying when I saw she, I was like, oh, it's that episode. And then I realized I had it wrong. Yeah. (laughs) I think this is the one that I was thinking of. I've got you under my skin is the episode I've been dreading. (laughs) I I sort of remember it, but I don't want to look too much at it. I don't want to spoil it for myself. It's creepy as hell. And I just have to remember to not watch it at night and I'll be okay. (laughs) (laughs) I remember the first time I ever watched it, it was like 2 a.m. and I was like 14. It was a huge mistake. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but those are the ones we have coming up. And then um, I guess, do you have any pop culture this week? So I don't, but I have a, I have a thing. <laughs> oh. Uh, so I wanted to say thank you again to people that have been writing us in. Yes. This is oh very my gosh. nice we to get are emails. Like, beyond floored every that time you I text, are doing I, this yeah every time I get an email I text Allie because she doesn't read the emails and also I only check it like uh, once a week because I'm not used to really getting that many <laughs> I did add our inbox to my phone oh good so. oh I saw that because it yeah. gives me a warning that like someone's trying to sign in <laughs> um but yeah mostly because I, I was at a conference and I wanted to read the emails <laughs> <laughs> but we really appreciate it and I Intended to work some of the things into this conversation. I didn't totally. A little bit. Jordan also uh, wrote into us to talk about the initiative. And I think we definitely talked about some of the stuff he was mentioning. But I don't oh, know nice. if I covered other things so much. But I uh, didn't say this in one of my responses. But it got me thinking that, like, I would say that both you and I have been pretty influenced by Alan Seppenwall. Do you agree, mm-hmm. agree with that? It, oh, sorry. I know why I was thinking about this. Because a couple episodes ago, I was talking about, like, a perfect, ep- a, you know, quote unquote, perfect episode of TV. And like, what does that mean? And I still intend to get back to that idea. If not, if not before, once more feeling at, then at least by then to kind of revisit this idea. And then I was just like, I was writing someone back and I was like thinking about like, what is a perfect episode? And what, what, where did all my thoughts about TV come from? Blah, blah, blah. And I was just thinking about how like, oh, we should probably no, not that like he cares that we give him credit, but I think as an explanation to other people, or if you're looking for more TV writing, about other shows or just like in general, I highly recommend looking up his writing. I have not kept up with it in the last couple of years because 
he writes about a lot of shows and I don't have time to watch all the shows that he writes about, but I have always just, I think he is a great TV critic. He's sort of the like person. He's not, he's not the creator of it exactly, but he's pretty much the like godfather of writing episodic reviews of TV. Whereas like for a long time, people really only reviewed either seasons of shows or like chunks of seasons of shows. And like, he was kind of one of the first people, especially with like blogs and the internet who was able to just like, Oh, every week I write a recap and then I go into like, what does it all mean? Um, so it's not exactly a pop culture recommendation, but I think if you're new to like TV, you know, like criticism or something, he's someone that I would definitely read more, more of his stuff. He actually wrote a book called The Revolution Was Televised. Yes. Um, and if you are a subscriber to say the golden age of scripted television, which I think he may have coined, I don't, that might not yeah. be right, but I, he's definitely I think he did. Yeah. advancing the idea that starting with like, say the wire and the Sopranos on HBO mm-hmm. and, and with Buffy. Oh, well, I mean, sorry. Yeah. He goes a little he, bit further back than that. Yeah. He goes a little bit further back, but he, and Oz and all of that, but he's talking about Buffy also. Um, there was a time from the late nineties to the, you know, mid early aughts mm-hmm. where, shows on TV were doing something a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And he did Um, a really good job of tracking that. Yeah, like this whole idea that like TV could be more serialized and people would be into it Mm -hmm. um, is definitely something that he talks about. And it's it's really interesting. I definitely recommend that book. Me too. Um, I want to read it again too. His online writing has moved around a lot in the last few years, which is partially why I haven't that, really kept right, up with it. You're right, that is also part of it. Um, but I, I do want to point out, if you were ever a fan of the TV show Chuck, he was probably one of like <laughs> five people watching it, so he's got all of those reviews for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember because I was one of those five people watching yeah. it. So, <laughs> But it's just so fascinating, too. Sometimes I, again, like I don't really follow it now, but if I go, when I'm sometimes when I'm watching older shows now, I'll like, oh, I wonder if Alan ever wrote anything about this, and he did. So, And like because he's also just like, well connected as far as those kinds of people go. Like there's this really cool thing. Uh, I was watching Deadwood for a while. And um, so I was like, okay, I was like sometimes reading his recaps. And in a couple of the episodes, like he, some, I don't know if it's just because they're fans or if he knew them, but like a couple of the actors on Deadwood would write comments on his blogs about the show. And so it was just like so crazy. Cause he would like write a recap of like what th- he was doing it after it had aired, not when it was going on. And so like, he would write about like, Oh, in this scene, blah, blah, blah. And then like the actors would chime in and like give these like actual personal stories about like, Oh, when we filmed that this happened and so-and-so did blah, blah, blah. And I was like, some, like sometimes you can just find like really interesting gems there, I guess is what I'm saying. In addition to his insight and you know, anyway. Yeah. So shout out to Alan Sepinwall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for all so, your hard work. So good, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's true. You got to give credit where it's due. We didn't invent this idea and neither did the AV club mm-hmm. and, you know, or yeah. television without pity. Like these people are all, you know, mm-hmm. I think he's widely regarded as if not inventing, like popularizing this method of yeah, watching TV. For sure. Um, so no, that's a great idea. And also to the people writing in, oh, yeah. continue. We love it. We are just like, I, I've been bragging to like, everybody that I know that like I have like my podcast that I do with my friend that we just started to like chat with each other has mm-hmm. like two real fans that we've yeah. never met in person yeah. like that's <laughs> amazing that we paid to write us. Um, just kidding we don't, pay don't let your small numbers drive you away please we, yeah. we love you <laughs> and if it takes a long time to write you back it's just because I'm frantic and busy yeah uh, but I won't um, get to it Maybe I should take a, a turn. Um, well, and it's just interesting to hear people's thoughts. Like uh, one of the one of the people has been a lot about like, oh, this is what I thought about this episode and blah, blah, blah. And it's like always interesting. It always gives me something else to think about, you know? Yeah. I, I also really liked the acknowledgement that Pangs is a tough episode to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> 
that I like is that people, it seems like people think we have a good conversational style, which is nice just, because we've been talking to each other amazing. for a really long time. <laughs> we should we've be We've been good practicing at it. for over 10 years. Exactly. So. That's what I said to someone. I was like, well, I'm glad that we're good at talking about Buffy together because we've been doing it for 10 years. <laughs> Um, okay. But so, anyway. um, okay. so those are my thoughts and we got to wrap it up. In, yeah. Comment on social media. You know, we've, we've got, um, many ways to reach us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, so we already mentioned, we've got a couple good ones coming up next mm-hmm. week and this week, uh, Ooh, I know my answer. Okay. You give me your answer. Okay. I'm team Wesley's sweater. Oh my God. <laughs> He doesn't know who knit it, but he's going to tell them that he liked it, <laughs> that they did a good job. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, you know what? I think I haven't done this maybe ever or in a while, but I think I'm team Buffy this week. I was thinking that was my Totally second taking down yeah. Professor Walsh. She was badass. Yeah. 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 Totally agree. Because now we do know what a slayer is. And yeah. She's innovative in a fight and can take down two of these demons. It's a good episode. I mean, Buffy was being an obnoxious tool through most of this episode, but like, she I enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll talk to you okay. next week. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at OMWC Podcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.